0: Hello, and welcome to the Message Makeover podcast brought to you by the Latimer Group, the experts in persuasive communication. I'm Dean Brenner, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Dan Cooney. Morning, Dan. Morning, Dean. Good to have you here. I'm excited about this. This is going to be a great conversation today. Absolutely. Dan and I are joined today by our guest, Luther Carpenter. Luther is a senior Olympic coach for the U.S. sailing team, and without question, one of the most successful sailing coaches in the history of the sport. Luther's been a coach for our national sailing team for over 25 years and has coached U.S. athletes at seven Olympic Games, starting in 1992 in Barcelona through the 2016 Games in Brazil. Along the way, Luther has coached his athletes to five Olympic medals across four different sailing events. For our listeners who happen to also be sailors, Luther coached his athletes to bronze medals in the Europe dinghy class in 1992 and 96. A bronze medal in the 49er class in 2000, a gold medal in the laser radial class in 2008, and a bronze medal in the fin in 2016. For those of you less familiar with sailing, think of it this way. Imagine if we're racing cars instead of boats. This would be like Luther coaching his drivers to world championships in stock cars, Formula One, dirt track, and drag racing. All of them are about racing cars, but that is where the similarities end. Those are completely different events requiring completely different skills and equipment. Luther, it is our pleasure to welcome you to the message makeover.
1: Great to be here.
2: Hey Luther, this is a big weekend now. Uh, I know you're a big Saints fan. How how are you feeling? What's your confidence level going into the game?
1: Uh, Well, you know, if you're a Saints fan, you're not 100% positive uh, at any moment. I'm hoping they have figured out when, uh, when the defense uh, rushes uh, Drew Brees hard. <laughs> if they got that uh, down, then I'm quite confident.
0: Look at that humble confidence. It the exact appos- opposite of a Pats fan.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you accuse us all. Uh,
2: well, the Nick Foles story is pretty uh, compelling, uh, but it, it will be interesting to see. Saints have had a lot of success, and uh, maybe we'll meet in the Super Bowl. That would be fun.
0: All right. Well, we will see. Thanks for joining us today, Luther. Our goal with this podcast is to give our listeners nuggets of insight on effective communication skills. Dan and I have both known you for a long time. We all worked together at U.S. Sailing in the past. And we've always been impressed not only with the results of your sailors, but also in your ability to coach high performance year after year after year. And our goal today is to just learn something from you. So let's dig right in.
2: Luther, you have sustained your excellence over a long period of time. And I'm interested in, you know, the core coaching beliefs that you came into the sport with as a coach. You know, how have they evolved over time?
1: Well, uh, I started coaching in my mid twenties, and uh, I was a good sailor, and I was uh, quite good at, at the at the technical parts of sailing a boat. Um, and then I was mentored under a guy named Robert Hopkins, uh, who, who was a brilliant Yale graduate, but, uh, but maybe not the best sailor. And, and the thing that he drove home with me early was that a, a coach is uh, all about reliable feedback. Uh, we don't need to have all the answers, but we do want the athlete to know what we are saying is reliable. Uh, mm. so, so that was really the basis of me learning to be a coach was mm-hmm. just be reliable and report the facts. Uh, and and I, the coach is in a position in sailing where they're stepped back from the action that the athlete doesn't see. Uh, so sharing that perspective was huge. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, the other thing I learned early on uh, in a sports psychology course was – Identifying personalities, my personality uh, and the personality of the athletes I was working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, that was a game changer for me. And I was lucky that that happened right in the beginning of my career. Uh, and uh, so just winning the confidence of the athlete and uh, demonstrating to them that, that I was there for them Mm-hmm. On a personal level and a and a professional sports level, mm-hmm. uh, and really wanting to connect with them uh, in that regard.
0: Sounds like a really of service approach to coaching. Yeah, you know,
1: you know your your question uh, wanted to know how did I improve over the decades, and I think uh, like or just change
0: us, or just change.
1: Yeah, um, well, like all of this, you know, I I was. Learning in the beginning mm-hmm. um, but uh, gaining confidence in what I was doing, I think was one of the biggest changes mm-hmm. uh, and and The more I felt that the athletes believed in me and the better connecting I was doing with various personalities, uh, the more confident I became at my craft
0: mm-hmm. and, and, and if you were thinking about like if you if you were approached by some new enthusiastic aspiring young sailing coach and this you had five minutes with this, with this young coach and this coach said, Luther, like, what are the, what are the two or three things that you think are most important when you're coaching an athlete? What, 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 would, what would you say in those five minutes to that kid?
1: Be dependable on feedback. Uh, listen, uh, don't, uh, don't come in, uh, with all the answers. After you listen, feel their feel their challenge. Sometimes Mm -hmm. their struggle. Uh, Exude confidence that you can help find the answer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the answer is within, but other times I don't know the answer, but I know how to go find it.
0: So, so you know, I know a lot of the athletes that you've coached over the years uh, because you know we were you and I were involved together with the program for a long time. I don't know all of them, but I know a lot of them. And and the ones that I know clearly hit a range of personality types and we'd like to dig a little bit deeper into you brought up the concept of understanding the personality type of the athlete. You know, you 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 got ahead of us on that, and that's exactly where we were going to go next, and let's dig into that a little bit more. You know, let's talk about maybe some some good, maybe perhaps end of the spectrum types of personalities that you have worked with, you know, leaving names out of it, but just, you know, how you might adjust your approach based on what you know about the, the athlete's personality.
1: Well, it's, there's always, uh, athletes that are very coachable and then there are others that, uh, perhaps have, uh, a little too much confidence in my opinion for where their <laughs> ability level lies. Um, so, uh, so I think that's, that's a big challenge is figuring that out, uh, and, uh, and wading your way through, I guess I'll call it the noise of them, you know, almost wanting to prove themselves to you and have an answer for something you're identifying as, as an area that we could focus on. Um, and I think there's a real art to that. Uh, You don't want to... You don't want to get in a debate with them uh, where it's you against them. Uh, you, you know, one one skill that I didn't mention is uh, is the relationship of we're learning this together, yeah, uh, and, uh, and and that goes hand in hand with the I don't know everything. Um, so I try and develop that with the sailors, but also have the experience and the wisdom to just slightly lead that. Um, so it's a collaborative thing, but uh, but there's prodding in the right direction.
2: Yep. Yeah. Luther, uh, you know, it's not just a range of personalities in the sport of sailing. Uh, there are some sports that where you can have some longevity in the sport, but sailing is certainly one of them. So you may be coaching someone well into their 30s, or you could be coaching someone who... Is, has a meteoric rise up through junior sailing and is 17. So how does that play into it?
1: It's a tricky game. And, and you know, in our sport, uh, the way that the competitions have, been, have evolved, it's demanding younger and younger athletes. Uh, so when I started, there were older, more experienced athletes going to the Olympics. And today, uh, we are taking mid-20 to early-30 athletes uh, to the games. Um, And I think the hardest thing coaching the young athlete is uh, we'll have athletes that are multiple-year world champions as a youth uh, and are coming into the Olympic phase. And they have their formulas for success, but clearly at the junior level, the the depth of competition or just the development of athletes that age is not the Olympic level. So teaching them that they still have a lot to learn and that uh, uh, we have to really dig into the details of the sport uh, under a microscope uh, is challenging at times, especially for the people that have been very successful as a youth.
0: And and finding a way to do that without – alienating them or, or putting them down or squashing the confidence that they're bringing to you. That's right. I mean, th- this is a relevant point. I mean, w- Dan and I are seeing this with our business clients all the time. We have multiple generations active in the workplace right now, and we don't have to go too far into this now. I want to get back to Luther, but I'm just looking at Dan here as we're talking about this. We're, we're, we're both nodding our heads because this is happening in every company here. Very successful young people enter in, nice resume, highly accomplished, don't know everything and how do you mentor that that's an interesting topic yeah
1: yeah and you know what do we like about young talent is they have moxie and confidence right so it's a careful game of we're trying to retain that but Mm -hmm. we're also trying to push back a little bit so that they relax and learn more at the same time um a line i use all the time when i'm Maybe I'm working on a certain skill part of the race. Uh, I'll go into depth on how they need to improve there. And then I'll follow that up with, and, that, and then after that, you do what you do. And what I mean by that is then you let the, the part of the race that you're really good at, you just get back to what you know how to do. And you know works for you and is a winning part. Um, so it's awesome. kind of that, uh, here's the learning stage. But I'm also encouraging that all we got to do is fix this one area and, and your talent's going to shine on the other portions of the race.
2: Kind of like a hybrid plan there. So yeah. here, here's the, the learning part. Here's the part. Just do your thing. I like that. Mm-hmm. The other thing about um, I, I think it's so interesting about the game in terms of uh, the age differential, especially what we know about brain development and even the idea of how a 17-year-old thinks about risks risk on the race course, risk in life um, is very different from someone in their mid-30s. So um, that, like, as you said, I love it when you said that it's a tricky game. Uh, the other thing about 17-year-olds is they come with these lovely folks who love them so much and are very um, excited and involved in their uh, sailing, and that's the parents. So how do you, how do you find uh, communicating with parents and uh, managing, you know, expectations that are that are probably exceedingly high.
1: You know, I, I've been really lucky with that. Uh, I think if I do a good job as a coach and really have start off on the right foot with the athlete, the athlete goes home and gives gives me glowing reviews. And so the first time I run into the parents, they're already sold on on what I'm preaching and. Uh, and, and what's the right path? Um, you know, of course, if it comes down to, hey, I know you just forked out a ton of money for their Harvard degree, but I want them to not get a job for eight years. <laughs> that's a little bit of a different uh, conversation. Um, but, uh, but that doesn't happen that often for me, because by the time you graduate from Harvard, you're pretty much a, your own personality and, and controlling your life anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great communications challenge, though, when it does in those rare moments, <laughs> when it does occur. I want to I yeah. want to
0: jump in here with a story, uh, a Luther story. And and for our listeners, I, I made reference that Dan and I have, have known Luther for a while and worked with him together. Uh, a little bit more about that because it sets up the story. Uh, Luther and I went to two Olympic Games together as members of the staff. And actually, Luther and I were roommates at two Olympics in 2008 in Beijing and 2012 in Weymouth. So I, I had the pleasure of literally having a front-row seat watching, watching you do your work, Luther. And I want to I wanna tell a story here that leads to a question about coaching style. And the athlete that you were coaching in 2008, and in, in this story I don't mind mentioning the athlete's name, still a, a very good friend of all of ours, Anna Tunnicliffe, who ended up winning a gold medal at those games. The first American woman to win a gold medal in sailing in more than 20 years, if I remember correctly. And, and Anna was just at the front end of of, of her career there and, and since then has just really become a superstar in the sport. And and because you and I were roommates, I got to listen to you and Anna debrief a lot at the end of the day during the Olympics. And and I was half listening one day doing some work on my laptop. And partway through, I sort of clue into the style in which you're speaking to her, but I didn't quite – catch it because I was only half listening. But I, I caught it enough to notice it. And I said, all right, next time I listen to their debrief, I'm going to listen a little more closely, which just happened to happen ha- the next day. And I'm now listening very closely to your style. and And you and Anna spoke for over an hour that day. And you're in the heart of the Olympics and, you know, couldn't be more pressure packed. And I listened very, very specifically. And for that entire hour, you did not, Make one declarative statement to her telling her what to do the next day. All you did was ask her leading questions to get her where you clearly were trying to get her to go, but you did it in a way that she got there on her own. So she owned it. And I'm not even sure Anna figured out what you were doing. She worked with you a lot. She probably did. She's a really smart athlete. but. That was, that was eye-opening for me because this was not about you telling anybody what to do. And I'd love to dig a little more into that style.
1: Well, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's obviously a difference in, in coaching in the lead-up to the Olympics and at the Olympic Games. Um, but to be honest, I think I actually have – I consider coaching uh, to have two different styles. Mm -hmm. Um, the one we mentioned earlier is we're collaborative and we're learning together and maybe as a coach, I'm guiding. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one is uh, I wouldn't say it's the Bobby Knight style, but it it is the moment where as the experienced coach, you are raising up above the collaboration and you are saying, you really need to listen to this message. Uh, And, uh, if if you don't hear these words and understand their importance, we are not going to get there. And in my world, getting there is it's what it takes to win the gold medal. Um, so I try and, and and I say this even when we start working together that that I am sometimes going to shift uh, personas as a coach from one to the other, but I'm careful to to announce when that moment is. Uh, and the way I do that is I say, this is one of those moments where you need to listen to my experience. And when they hear me say that, they know to be quiet and focus and hear on the message and that I know deep down that we have to do this to accomplish our goal. Um, and and the, the reason I like that is because it takes the personality out of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're not playing around at, at what we're doing. We're there to win gold medals, uh, and you know if 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 we're doing a substandard effort, that's not going to get there. I know that's not what they want. Um, mm-hmm. So so those are those are kind of the two techniques. Yeah. That, you know, but- with 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 Anna at the games, I, I don't think I really ever said that harder uh if you don't listen to my experience we're not going to get there uh in in another olympics i had an athlete that was not quite realizing you know how he he was going through the event you know we were kind of hanging in there for a medal but it was the middle of the olympics and it was kind of the make or break period and i was trying to guide him and I was getting a little kickback uh, so I pulled out that line and I really that cab ride that evening I think was a big moment for whether he got a medal or not um, and for, fortunately uh, he he rose to the occasion and and got the bronze
0: but but that 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 harder style and I'm gonna consciously not... Let us live with the Bobby Knight reference because you and Bobby <laughs> Knight could not be any more different. Okay, but but that harder style—I would imagine that that's a card that you can't play often, and you can't, exactly. pl- and you can't play in the early stages of a relationship. That's a card that has to be played built on a, upon a foundation of trust.
1: Yeah, you know, I think in, in the two years leading up to the Rio Olympics, I maybe played that card three times. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: well, and, and I mean, this is important for our listeners, because we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast and that we work with that mentor or coach people in the workplace. And a lot of them have 25 years of experience like Luther does. And I've seen a lot of people and their coaching and their mentoring style too often plays that card. I'm experienced. I've been around the block. You should just listen to me. And what's fascinating to me as I'm listening to you here, here you are as accomplished as anybody could possibly be. In their line of work and the entire conversation has been this humble of service approach to coaching where you're very hesitant to play that card of, hey, I'm Luther Carpenter. I've won five medals. I've been doing this for a long time. Shut up and listen to me. There, I think there are other coaches and I think the lesson here is we all reflect on our own roles as coaches and mentors is when do you play that card and, and how quickly do you play it in a relationship? That's a really big thing. For a, a coach in, in the workplace to really think through, in- interesting interesting comparison there.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think I think one of the most important things that, that all of us want to do is we want to teach, uh, but we also want to exude confidence in our athlete. Right, uh, and uh, you know, close to, the the closer we get to the games. I'm still teaching, but I'm also trying to make sure that we're making progress in areas that's going to exude confidence so they can so they can deliver.
2: Um, uh, Luther, on this uh, on confidence, it's uh, you, you're trying to exude that in 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 your athletes. Um and when, in our teaching, we talk about there's lots of ways to project executive presence, which is closely tied to confidence. And what we say is that there's a lot of ways to do that. There's not just one way. And clearly, you are a soft-spoken, you know, very confident, very sure uh, person and personality. Do, do you see, in your game, do you see other coaches have a different style that can be successful?
1: I, I'm sure. I mean, I, we all know there's different personalities uh, leading these teams. Uh, I, I, I study and collaborate uh, with, with other coaches. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think they're, sometimes their hard line is, is, is ratcheted up from mine. mm mm-hmm. um, so I do think there's, you know, there's there's a range there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: L- l- let's change tax a little bit here, and let's talk about now. You're working with an athlete, and things aren't going real well. And you're not at the Olympics yet, but you're 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 committed to a program with this athlete. And let's say that there's a lot of distractions. They could come in a lot of different forms. Maybe there's a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or something going on at home, or You know, maybe they're not making the commitment to their training as much as you think they
2: should be or parents are putting a lot of pressure,
0: parents putting a lot of pressure. Exactly. But but, you know, how do you start bringing the performance back when it starts to turn south and and youth? I mean, and there's a lot of ways to look at this, but let's start with when you have an athlete that you don't think is putting in the necessary work, easily distracted, not committed. You know, what does Luther do in that case?
1: Well, my my opinion is anytime that any of us have distractions, it's because we're not focused on the the small task at hand in front of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for me, identifying what our next step is and really breaking it down to the details uh, and helping them start to focus on those details. Um, it, It gives us clarity on what really wins, which is, chaining together. I, I made this formula that, that, uh, stated that a sailboat race, a 40 minute race, uh, is basically 600 decisions. Uh, and, uh, so if you make a, a good decision, basically every three seconds, uh, then you're going to have a solid result. Um, so what we're building, uh, all the time is how do we, uh, approach that level of focus uh, and decision-making and execution uh, over 40 minutes. Um, so when a sailor is not doing well or the, and they're not executing and they're distracted, they're clearly not mentally preparing themselves for all of those situations that are occur. Um, so, and, you know, it's a fancy way of saying goal-setting.
0: Yeah. But you're also <laughs> talking about, and this is something that I've heard you talk about in the past, you, you can take a goal-oriented long-term approach to performance. You can also take a task-oriented approach to performance. And you, 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 most of the time you need a combination of the two. But what I think what I hear you saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong... Is that when there's distraction, maybe take the focus off the long term, which is harder to visualize, and really just focus on, okay, what are the next three, five, X number of things we need to do to get back on track? Is that, did I hear you correctly?
1: That's right. And, you know, for me, just distraction means your, your mind is going places where it shouldn't be going. Right. Um, so I like to fill that time with these these. Areas of focus. Yeah, and the other thing you know that gets you back on track is when you achieve something, you feel good, mm-hmm. and and that makes you want to work on something else next. Yeah, uh, I think all of us when we're when we're sitting on the couch too long and doing what watching TV or playing on our devices, uh, stress builds. We feel like we're not doing anything. Uh, and uh, it puts us in a in a non-productive manner. Um, so I think getting on task, accomplishing it and feeling good about it and reloading for the next uh, is my biggest strategy.
0: Awesome.
2: I like that. Hey, Luther, we you know we're all about communications here. And I would like to know a little bit about the, your cadence of communications with the athletes. Is there some, formula when you go out for a practice uh is it you know typical you know pre pre pre-brief uh chalk talk kind of thing uh, then go out and and uh, accomplish the 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 plan for the day and then come back and debrief uh what's your what's your cadence for coaching
1: well you know frankly i'm a good self-analyzer and some days i'm good at that and other days i'm not uh I would say there's a real sweet spot to how much pre-brief and how much post-brief you're doing. Uh, what they do as athletes is, is extremely uh, tiring. Hmm. Um, and uh, uh, I, I want to, a lot of times I'll, I'll review the, the prior day's material the, the next morning so they're fresh and can focus on it. And I'm careful to to pick only the best of hits, and especially the best of hits that we can work on that following day. Uh, and uh, I know this is an area where a lot of coaches go wrong, is they want to look at an hour and a half of video and talk about ten things.
0: At the, uh, at the end of the day, after a yeah. long day.
1: Yeah, or even the next morning. It's right. just too much uh and uh you know it's it's our job to to streamline it and and I just I try and pick the highest priority items uh that are within our grasp and uh and we can make uh, progress on
2: I uh, I'm a terrible yeah. golfer but uh the idea is not to have have maybe one swing thought is helpful and having three mm-hmm. is really not helpful
0: yeah. Well, and, and this concept, we use a term, Luther, cognitive overload. And we talk about it a lot because there's so much information that gets passed around in today's world. And, you know, you mentioned distraction by smartphone. I mean, this is a real issue, not just for athletes, but for professionals. And we're all drowning in information. We're drowning in uh, accessibility to other people and and being able to simplify what your athletes need to work on so that they that so that they're going to remember it if you give them too much information and if you overload them and they can't they can't process it then what's the point right
1: yeah yeah you know i had i mean i'm always learning myself and trying to figure out how to be be better at my craft but uh this year an, an amusing uh thing happened to me uh i was sitting in church every sunday and uh you know, I'm I'm listening to the message, but almost always, you know, the of course the pastors are are excellent speech givers, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so they start into their thing, and I immediately think about coaching mm-hmm. and how I can take his, his, a twist on his his strategy and start constructing you know some coaching thing. And hopefully that's not going to come back to haunt me in uh, 30 years or so. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but my real point is that church is an environment where nobody's pulling out their cell phones. Uh, nobody's watching TV. You know, it is an hour yeah. of silence and thought. Yep. Uh, and it, it just occurred to me that in today's world, we barely have that at any given moment, yeah. uh, and it's a skill that we we all need to get back to. Uh, you know, about the only time we have it is when we're waiting for we ten planes deep on JFK runway, <laughs> waiting waiting to take off. But yeah. as soon as we're as soon as we're flying, we're plugged in and watching you know some movie or you know whatever. Yeah. Um, so this I think the real power in us focusing on. On finding that time for deep thinking.
0: And, and if you as the coach can facilitate that that c- clearness of mind um, to the make space, up a word. The space, space
2: in, your, in your mind.
0: Yeah, we could probably have a no- whole other hour conversation just about creating the right environment around your athlete. We, we might have to invite Luther back for another conversation at some point because <laughs> I don't think we've even begun to cover be, – began to come close to – covering everything we want to cover here.
2: Yeah, maybe after the Pats 6 Super Bowl we should do that.
0: <laughs> but but Luther, we're going to start to wrap up here and and let, let we just want to turn it over to you for a second and say, you know, if you had sort of one parting piece of wisdom and you're now coaching our listeners on how to be a better coach. Like what is what is Luther's one dominant, you know, most important nugget of of insight that you would want to share?
1: Uh, well, you know, I, we've, we've talked a lot, uh, already about probably eight on my list. Um, yep. I think, you know, really paying attention to who your athlete, uh, is or, or yep. whatever your world is. Um, you know, one of the questions you had, uh, uh, looked at was what's more important, the physical or the mental skill. Right. Uh, right. And of those five medals, you know, I was very fortunate. Three of those were physical beasts, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a pleasure as a coach that I didn't have to worry about that.
0: Um, you mean the athlete was a physical beast?
1: Yes, they yeah. were. They they were strong. They knew how to work out. They knew the importance of it. Uh, and, uh, and 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 interestingly enough. You know the mental challenges uh, turned out to be probably the key to them winning medals. Right. Um, because you had then,
2: eliminated the strength piece as a variable. Right. Yeah, they yeah. had. And
1: and you know they have so much confidence from their strengths that uh, that in their mind they're like, well, why am I not not winning? Uh, and uh, and then the others. Uh, and, and I'll be honest, this was decades ago and fitness is a whole new game today but the others were not the leaders of their uh of their competition in fitness but they were very mentally strong yeah um and it just so happens in our sport i mean i don't want to say one's more important than the other but at the end game if you're not mentally strong uh you're just not going to deliver right um so I, I think you know just figuring that out yeah uh, I would encourage everyone to take some sort of course or somehow be educated in uh, in psychology uh, psychology of person psychology of mind uh, yeah. and, and reflect often about how humans uh, interact and operate um, yeah it's you know my wife is a, is a is a corporate executive mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting, you know, when she comes home and, and unloads on her day to me. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm listening to it as a sailing coach. Uh, but uh, I think the solutions are, are very similar. Uh, it's how she's interacting with someone who's on the same level as her that she's frustrated with or yep. maybe one step below her or how does she please her boss. Uh, yeah. It's all a lot of crossover. Amazing. Yeah, it's all human nature, and it it's is. all all exuding confidence to each other, uh, and how do we get to the finish line together?
0: That's awesome. And, and I'll tell you, the thing that struck me most in this conversation, Luther, I said it earlier, but I want to I end with it, is you know, just the unbelievable amount of humble confidence, you know, quiet gravitas that you bring to your craft and how of service you are. I've met a lot of coaches in my day, and a lot of them very accomplished, and 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 the, a blind spot for a lot of them is they really are trying to show you how good they are, and and that's just not your style. And and that's one of the things I've always loved about watching you operate. So we just want to close by saying thank you to you for your time this morning, and and this has been uh, just unbelievably insightful for us, and and it will be for our listeners as well. So incredibly impressive, Luther. Thank you. Thank you, Luther. And 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 we hope to have you back again someday. I know you're training for the 2020 Olympics, uh, right? You're still you're still with the team
2: for yeah. these next games, and then who knows after that, right? That's right. We are, we're rooting for you. We're excited to see uh, what goes on in Miami, and uh, we're really excited about the team.
1: All right. All right. Thank you. I Thanks. enjoyed it.
2: Well, that
0: does it for this edition of The Message Makeover. We thank our whole team at the Latimer Group, including Whitney Sweeney, Amy Fenelosa, Hannah Morris, and especially our producers, Kendra Ragukis and Brett Slater. We love audience questions, so tweet those questions to us at the Latimer Group. We'll be listening well for them. Until then. See you next time on The Message Makeover. The Message Makeover podcast is presented by The Latimer Group, the experts in persuasive communication, corporate training, and executive coaching delivered with impact. For more information on The Latimer Group and for more episodes of The Message Makeover podcast, look for us on iTunes, Google Play, and online at thelatimergroup.com.